Did I just hear somebody say to me, did you batch of reindeer cupcakes? I sure did. Oh, yay! <sighs> Married 12 more days before Christmas, Louise. Back at you, Toby. <laughs> oh. Ho, ho, ho. I'm sorry, guys. I know that wasn't a trailer, but it was the best I could do for today's movie, A Christmas Cruise. Uh, I don't know why. This is an Up Network original. It is directed by David Dakota, who many of you know from a lot of very different films, like the 1313 series and so on. Uh, but I, when I looked for a trailer for it, all I could find, I could find the whole movie, which I am certainly not going to play, or I could find the only thing on YouTube for it was somebody editing together the two scenes that feature a young actress named Gina Harazumi. She has about three lines in the whole movie. You heard the one, which had something to do with a reindeer cupcake. Uh, and that's all I could do. So that was your tiny little taste of a Christmas cruise. You're going to have to count on me to give you the rest. So let's do it. Now, for some reason, this movie had, I think, four people credited to the script. You know, it's not that complex a tale, but in fairness, compared to some of the other ones we've watched so far, it actually has a little more to it. Not much compared to any other, like, real movie, but still. Uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Christmas Cruise. Now, I w want to say it right away. Don't get this confused with last year's The Christmas Train. The Christmas Train, it was one Christmas train. It was a very important, specific, weird Christmas train. A Christmas cruise can be any Christmas cruise. Uh, kind of like my understanding of what cruises are. I've never been on one, but I believe them to be a little bit of a kind of, you know what you're getting and everybody's going to get the same experience. I could be wrong about that. I am wrong about that because not everybody has the experience that Vivica A. Fox does on this particular Christmas cruise. So uh, the story of this movie, Vivica, uh, who teamed up with David Dakota before for last year as a husband for Christmas, and I think a few others. And he seems to work with the team. A couple of the other actors from the movie from last year are back. Uh, you know, whatever works for you. Just clearly they don't spend a lot of time on these. You know, you're cramped. You're rushing through a scene. You want to do it with people you like. So good on all of them. Uh, so the story is that Pamela, played by Vivica, is a divorcee. And she is a writer, and it's very important that we know that because she carries a journal with her, see. And she's working on her novel or her memoirs. I doesn't seem like she had that interesting a life to have memoirs, but who am I to judge? Um, that is kind of her real dream. But in the meantime, she pays the bills by working for a magazine or rather a newspaper called New York Minute, which is rival to the Post and the New York Times, as you obviously already knew. Uh, so Pam is trying to get a promotion at work, and the way she ends up kind of getting her foot in the door for this is that her friend, her best friend, who is also divorcee, uh, suggests they go on a, this sort of singles Christmas cruise together. And when uh, Pamela brings this up to her boss, he kind of sees, oh, potential for a story there. So she's go going on this cruise supposedly to have fun, but really because she wants to get a story out of it. Right away, guys, I know you're going to sense a little bit of conflict from that. And you know what? There is, but really not much because there's not much conflict in this movie because it is a cozy cardigan Christmas. And as we know... These, this is really a conflict-free zone, if you will. While on the cruise, uh, Pamela meets a the very handsome cruise director named Jake, 
who happens to be single and, you know, good looking and they hit it off and it's all good. And it's kind of nice that, you know, this is not a movie about a young 20-something falling for a slightly older 20-something handsome man. Uh, There's a little bit of history to both of these people, just being a little bit older than your average um, stars of this movie. Although, with that being said, I really need to stop and point out that more than once there is a joke made about how, you know, nobody remembers the 90s but us. And that kind of at one point leads to Vivica A. Fox saying to Jake, well, I'm a child of the 90s, and him saying, me too. And it's not done like tongue-in-cheek. And look, Vivica A. Fox looks amazing. She is a gorgeous woman. She is taking care of herself. I don't know what she's doing, who she's paying, but it's coming out right. Um, But Vivica A. Fox was born in 1964, and the actor playing Jake was born in 1966. So to be a child of the 90s meant that they were in their 30s in the 90s. I am in my 30s now, and I don't consider myself a child of the 2010s. So I don't know if they're just if this is just, you know, the writers kind of being kind of cute to Vivica and kind of making a, giving a compliment in her dialogue or what, but it's there and I felt the need to comment on it. Anyway, there is a little conflict and it's, it's actually kind of interesting because what happens is the cruise is ending as all cruises must do. And uh, Pam says to Jake, Hey, would you like to come spend Christmas with my family and meet my parents? And he says, well, I actually have two more cruises after this one. I'm cruising till January, so maybe after that. And suddenly everything is all awash because to Pam, this was a big step for her to do this. And, you know, he has already lectured her about how hard she works at her job. And now she's saying, well, you're doing the same thing and you've given up, you know, you're not making any sacrifices for me, which is a very, very valid argument to make to somebody who has already criticized you for doing the same thing. Um, But, you know, it seems like things are over. She goes back home. She gets that promotion and then immediately decides she doesn't want it because she instead wants to not work at the magazine anymore and go home and write those memoirs that are going to be you know, that are really going to pay the rent on her Upper West Side apartment. Um, But just as she kind of makes that statement, Jake just shows up out of nowhere and kind of says, you were wrong, I was right. Let's go eat your mother's Christmas ham, not in a dirty way. So that's the plot of A Christmas Cruise in a nutshell. Uh, Now we move on to the more important matters at hand, which is the tropes and if it fits them. Our first thing is our lead in need of a lesson, and obviously we have one. And in this case, we do have Pam say things like, I don't have time for Christmas cheer because I'm on a deadline. Um, You know, she works, she works, works, works. We know she works uh, because she always has her laptop with her or her notebook with her and she is taking notes for her stories. And the other thing she does that I um, really love in movies is actors. This came up last year where there was a movie where... um, it was very clear that this act- actors had never either eaten a hot dog or held a cup of coffee because they just didn't know how to do it right. In this case, it's clear to me that Vivica A. Fox has never actually typed at a computer because she sits there and she just sort of, uh, I don't, the word attack comes to mind. She just kind of slams on things where I can't decide if she is mimicking a piano player or a video game expert, but either way, it is not somebody typing. Um, But she does say things like, I'm a writer, I don't get time off. And, you know, I'm a writer in New York City. What's not to love? But of course, we know 
because this is a movie that is not about professional fulfillment, um, that, you know, her writing is not making her happy. And thankfully, she will learn her lesson, and the lesson is kind of to, like, let go and enjoy the moment, but along with that, she does decide, this job is not making me happy, and that's fine. We had the same realization in Christmas at Graceland, uh, and hey, you know what? Sure, sometimes we get stuck in a career and we think this is the right path, uh, only to sit, stop and look at it and say, oh, you know, maybe this isn't what my life needs. In this case, you know, she's actually not really doing anything that wrong. Uh, And in what world somebody can stop paying the bills with a regular job in New York City and write a really mushy Christmas book and that suddenly getting you a crowd. This movie ends kind of the same way um, The Tree That Saved Christmas does, where it's Vivica A. Fox reading out loud her story, and it ends and you realize, oh, but she's not a good writer, and this is going to be her life now. I don't know. I guess it's going to okay. Maybe Jake can support her with his cruise directing, and she can maintain the lifestyle she had grown accustomed to. We'll see in the sequel. Uh, number two is our setting. In this case, we start in the big bad city of New York, and we get so many establishing shots of Rockefeller Center and the Empire State Building lit green for the holidays, Uh, you know, and there's so much about New York just thrown in there where, you know, Pam is talking about how great um, New York is because there's rockets and there's lights on Christmas Avenue and all of that. Uh, this movie is not touched in New York. All of the footage is clearly from a bank somewhere, because um, that New York just doesn't look like that once you get out of the stock photos of it. Um, this one actually gives us three main settings. After New York, we also get the cruise, which basically just looks like a house. And the cruise is actually going to something called Christmas Island, which, like San Sonova, the fictional European country, from Christmas at the Palace is not a real thing, but in the movie is treated as if it is totally like a geographical point on a map. Um, Number three is our bland love interest. And in this case, again, Jake is a little more interesting, uh, played by an actor who's um, young and the restless and a whole bunch of other soap operas and TV stuff. The fact that he is a little older makes, hey, again, I like something different in these Christmas movies. And having your love interest be a guy in his, what would we say? Oh God, you're going to make me do math. Okay, I'm back. I did the math and he is in his 50s. Um, You know, like any child of the 90s. Um, The thing about Jake though is that he's actually kind of awful. And I know I'm not supposed to think this watching these movies because I'm supposed to kind of pick up on how he's really trying to help her change her life for the better. But he's kind of a dick. He's doing that same thing that has come up in a few other movies this year, where essentially here's this single man who, you know, not that the measure of a person is their happiness and romance, but when somebody who is not clearly in a successful relationship is lecturing someone else, in this case a woman, on why she's not in a successful relationship is really hard to not say, fuck you, mansplainer, let her live her life. You don't seem, you might think you you have these ideas, but clearly you're not applying them to yourself. So what you doing? So a little frustrating there. He is also really impressed with bad writing when he finds Pam's journal and he picks it up and quickly thumbs through it and immediately says, wow, you're a really good writer. And he says that because she has written stuff like, 
the ship has an opulent holiday decor. And that is enough to say, yeah, Shakespeare, right there. I, I, again, I don't think anybody in this movie has ever read a book. Number four, the montage. We do get um, cruising montage, which mean, means a lot of close-up of food that looks tasty, but then you realize it probably doesn't have taste and probably just looks really pretty. Um, we do, at the end, get a good big Christmas dinner with the family and gift-exchanging montage, so... We have that there. We sadly do not have dead parents or a dead wife. Uh, there's a lot of divorced people, a lot of exes, but no dead anyone. Uh, Pam's mother in the beginning of the movie is, uh, you know, kind of your typical mother in a lot of these where she's just constantly, aren't you bringing a man to Christmas dinner? Because that's the measure of uh, your success in your mother's eyes in almost every one of these movies, as we know. But nobody's dead. It's a shame, kind of. Moving on to number six, the sassy sidekick. In this case, ours is Becky, played by Jessica Morris, who has been in a lot of random things, including a movie I watched last year called Dangerous Worry Dolls, which is about evil killer Dangerous Worry Dolls. so she is Pam's best friend, and they're both divorced, and she just wants to have fun. She wants to, you know, get on out there and ha- and, and get busy, as she says, I think, with an A-Y type thing. Uh, she's fun. I actually liked her. The Again, this is a movie that's a little more mature in many ways, so the best friend can genuinely just be her own person and you know it kind of works and her as much as she is constantly also lecturing Pam on how to live her life it's it's somehow a little more acceptable for it to be your best friend doing that than this man that you've only had two dates with anyway uh, the other kind of sassy sidekick that I must mention is I got excited when I saw the opening credits and saw the name Corin Nemec come up because hey I was a real child of the 90s who remembers Parker Lewis can't lose and Corinemic plays so okay Becky starts dating this marine biologist on the ship and Corinemic is the marine biologist's friend and he's kind of the worst uh he gets drunk really easily he keeps wearing shoes that make his feet hurt and he does like drunk karaoke kind of thing and he's supposed to be the comic relief of the movie I'm gonna get back to him Number seven, evil woman or our evil boss. Uh, We do have Pam's editor, uh, who's kind of this very Italian-esque New York uh, kid who I guess his dad owned the papers and now he's head editor and he doesn't like her writing because it's just boring and people don't want to read it. And he's just about, you know, I think he actually was like, writing with a cannoli as he was talking and in the beginning he's awful because he is kind of saying to her you know your writing is terrible nobody under nobody knows what they want to read except just to have them read what I want them to read but very quickly he becomes like a sympathetic character who's calling her for love advice so you know it's it's a David Dakota movie what more do you want number eight slapstick as I said I was going to get back to Corin Nemec whose character's name was Gil by the way and guys He's trying so hard, and the movie is trying so hard to make his hijinks funny. Um, so he keeps like getting stuck in trees and falling and all of this stuff. And I'm just going to move on because it was painful to watch and even more painful to talk about. Number nine, our sage old person. 
oh my god, guys, here's the crazy thing about this movie. Because there's, again, um, like one of the other movies, our oldest character, um, Pam's mother, gives her terrible advice. And I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's a holiday cruise, so it's all young people on this cruise. And it was the a really crazy moment where it dawned on me that, holy shit, our lead in need of a lesson is serving the role of the sage old person in this case. Because you have this younger couple on the ship who are getting married, and the young woman suddenly has cold feet, and Pam runs to her to kind of talk her through it and give her advice. You know, yeah, I, you know, I was married, I got divorced, but I, I'm really, you know, I don't regret that and all of these things. And she's actually giving sage advice to this woman who is I mean I guess according to the movie 10 years but in real life probably a good 20 plus years younger than her and it's kind of crazy and somehow makes me feel old I I don't know how Uh, number 10 are Santa Claus we don't get a real Santa Claus but we do get um, a couple of like hot cruise Santa Clauses Uh, one of whom when we first meet him he's on the, on the cruise, he's kind of serving as the Santa Claus figure, but he's wearing this sort of, like, red suit, but without a shirt underneath. So we get chest hair Santa. And then later, he's just all out uh, shirtless Santa. So, again, I'm not going to complain. It was something different in a Christmas movie that I've been getting the same thing over and over again. Moving on to the bonuses. So that was basically just to give you the count up there. Uh, no dead parents, so we're really at nine-ish out of ten. If Guys, I don't do math. You really shouldn't even bother listening to me on that, but you get the idea. Honor bonuses, public domain holiday songs. Oh, God, yeah, we get a lot of them, some of which are nice. Like, there's, like, a nice pretty piano version of Jingle Bells and a jazzy Deck the Halls. Uh, there's a great moment where the... Oh, it's not the young couple. It's the new couple. So Becky and her marine biologist boyfriend at one point are at like the big closing ball night of the cruise. And one of them says, oh, that's our song. We should go dance. And the song is Angels We Have Heard on High, which I I don't think is generally like, I don't know. Are, has anybody ever sat there with their beloved in a moment and heard that song and say, you know what? This This is our song. Yeah, let's dance to this at our wedding. How do you even dance to that? I don't know, but this movie apparently does. Uh, We get a lot of karaoke, which is not good. And oddly enough, this is, I guess, a running theme now that we're going to have in Vivica A. Fox, David Dakota Christmas movies. Because if you recall, A Husband for Christmas ended with Vivica A. Fox's character making this grand gesture of singing um, at the airport to her you know, uh, to her would-be lover because earlier in the film they'd established that she doesn't like singing and it was a whole thing and she can't sing and it was terrible. And in this movie, like, they don't do... It never comes up whether she should sing, but at the end of the movie she's at a holiday party and they're like, hey, who wants to do karaoke? And she's like, me. And she gets up and she starts singing. And it's still not very good. Uh, But again, I guess... I don't know. I like her running theme, so why not? Her her signature, if you will. I uh, didn't catch any product placement. No cloying child, because there just were no children in this movie, which is fine. And something else that's kind of positive about it, as much as everybody is lecturing Pam about her life choices and how she's single, it the movie never, um, nobody in the movie ever stops and says, and don't you want kids? It never comes up. Both Pam and Becky seem to be single with no kids, and as much as they are looking for a partner, 
Uh, neither one of them says anything about family, and it's never forced upon them, which is something that I feel like a lot of these movies want to do. So thank you, A Christmas Cruise. Uh, but no thank you to ice skating, no Canadianisms, because this film was clearly filmed in L.A. in, like, whatever little room they have to kind of shuffle these things through and do them quickly. I didn't catch any Christmas names, and shockingly, no Christmas tree lightings. But a lot of caroling, a lot of characters randomly singing carols, and everybody knows the word, knowing the words to them. Like, at one point, Jake leads a bunch of people in Joy to the World, and they all know all the words. Like, I know the first words. I know Joy to the World, the something has come, let Earth something something, but like people actually know all of those words, and then the next verse, and I just don't think that's a common thing. Um, let's close it up with the IMDb review of the week. In this case, it comes from uh, Diane Charles, and this was written last year. So I thought this was a 2018... Um, I guess I was wrong. Must have been in 2017 or maybe Ms. Diane Charles had like an early screener of it. So she writes after giving the movie nine out of 10 stars, a Christmas cruise is an enchanting tale of the mystical magic of love, whimsically wondrous miracles and potentially passionate pages of life. She's a writer, just like Pam. Wow. Refreshingly poignant, A Christmas Cruise vigorously embraces hope, healing, and the possibilities of happily ever after. Now that I've said this out loud, I'm pretty sure there is another movie called Christmas Cruise. And I wonder if that one has any of the magic that this woman is talking about and if she actually meant that movie. I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, we know that it was opulently decorated. And what more can you ask for in your Christmas movie starring a, you know, late 30s Vivica A. Fox in 2018? That was A Christmas Cruise. Uh, you can catch it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but it is airing on the Wii Network. So if you have cable, you can probably find it. And you know what? I kind of recommend it. It's not good by any means, but it is kind of so kind of bad and cheap that it is a little endearing. It feels very much like last year's A Husband for Christmas, only without Eric Roberts. So if you were thinking you were getting the same team, you're not quite, which is a shame because there were so many places he could have just been inserted somewhere in this movie. Um, it's, again, about older characters, which is refreshing. Uh, Vivica A. Fox, you know, probably never going to be accused of being a great actress, but she's fun. Um, she's fun to watch. She gives it her all. She looks great. She gets to wear some fun cruise outfits. And I just don't know what else you really want in a movie like this so you know what go ahead sit back and and take take a ride take a sail on whatever language we use on cruises i don't know i've never been on one but i don't know you could do a lot worse than a christmas cruise I saw the ships come sailing on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw the ships come sailing on Christmas Day in the morning. Thank you. 